0: I have returned. First things first, man. Before I get into this podcast, rest in peace to Don Shula. What a sad day this is for football. One of the great legends of the game. Uh, Legendary head coach. coach Coached the Miami Dolphins for 25 years. Won two Super Bowl championships, including leading that team to the only undefeated season in NFL history. Coach Dan Marino. One of the greatest quarterbacks to ever grace the game. Don Shula is truly a legend of the game And uh, he's going to be sorely missed He died today, uh, Monday, May 4th uh, At the age of 90 So he lived a long and full life But uh, like I said, he will be missed With that said I'm going to get into this episode We're going to get a lot of things covered We're going to cover a very wide range of things today right? We're covering everything from Cam Newton Which I, I cannot wait I cannot wait to get into that man. I have a lot of things to say on what's going on with Cam Newton and ultimately the legacy that he's late leaving on football because I do think he has a very very strong legacy that he's leaving he's already left honestly um, the, the whether or not he steps back on the field again um, but we're definitely gonna be talking about Cam Newton we're gonna be talking about Andy Dalton signing with the Cowboys is he a backup is he coming for Dax job is this some sort of leverage move from Jerry Jones we're gonna get into that but we're gonna start with a ufo confirmation that's right ladies and gentlemen i'm getting into the world of science fiction or we thought was science fiction might actually be reality because this week the pentagon officially released three clips showing what they described to be as unidentified aerial phenomena right they previously had released Uh, They'd previously been released by a private company, the clips were. And you know, these people with the tinfoil hats, right? They're talking about UFOs and aliens and all this, that, and the other, right? People didn't really buy it because people are kind of crazy, right? Maybe not. Because the Pentagon, like I said, verified the authenticity of these videos. They said they don't know what exactly was in the, the, the images, but they do know that there was some sort of thing out there flying. It was a UFO it's it's three ufos that they have yet to uh confirm the origination of this is why we were gonna storm area 51 man whoever started that i guess was on to something because if they're just now confirming these three videos right and we don't know whether <laughs> obviously we don't know whether these are aliens or whether these are some sort of drone that somebody was flying and that nobody had any knowledge of whatever they, they flew a lot like flying saucers i'll say that much right in the, the whole concept of a flying saucer it's a fictional concept so we don't know it have that's how aliens would actually travel but these things were confirmed as real and this is why we were going to storm area 51 because there are obviously things that the government is not saying, and I'm not going to turn this into the the Reagan Griffin podcast of conspiracy theories. But at this point, I think we would be we would be not smart. I'll leave it to say that there aren't such thing as aliens. There has to be aliens. Think about this logically, right? Because I know in in, in times past. The, the, the concept that aliens are real it, it's th- That's a crazy person thing to think But, you know, the more I think about it There's no way And we don't know whether they've come, come down to Earth We don't know if they've had any contact with the government That's not what I'm trying to say here But statistically speaking There have to be aliens Right there, and when I say aliens, I'm not, you know, necessarily saying the green and gray, you know, lanky things with the big heads and the big eyes, you know, they, they might not necessarily come in that form. But there has to be life elsewhere in the universe other than Earth. There has to be. Think about it. If it's an ever-expanding universe, this is a scientifically known fact that the universe is ever expanding, it does not stop growing and creating more stars, more planets, things of that nature. And if that's true, which it is, then no matter how low the odds are for a planet to come about that can sustain life like Earth is, no matter if it's a 0. 000 000 000 000 000 000 000 1% percent chance that that can happen, if there's an infinite amount of planets being created, because the universe is ever expanding, then there have to be other life forms in the universe. We don't know if they're capable of making contact with us. We know that we're not capable of making contact with them, but there have to be other life forms in the universe. Think about it like this. Let's say there's a point zero 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 zero, one percent chance of opening a bag of skittles and they're all red skittles my favorite skittle right they're all red skittles taste the rainbow the odds of that happening are slim to none probably never but if you told me that there was a machine that was creating bags of skittles for eternity and they would not stop creating bags of skittles and there would be an infinite amount of bags of skittles created then there would be an infinite amount of red, of purely red bags of Skittles. You see what I'm driving at? Because if there's going to be an infinite amount of things created, then there's an infinite amount of possibilities. And each possibility is going to occur more than once. It has to if there's an infinite amount. But... I'm no science genius or whatever. I just thought that was really, really interesting. I wanted to talk about that because you know whether or not, uh, and I'm, I'm not. I'm talking about less in the context of the government, you know, releasing the the confirmation of the flying saucers. But I, I've always, for a very long time now, I've believed that there is some sort of life form out there other than humans, just simply for the fact because there has to be. And I wanted to talk about it. But the question is, right? When we do inevitably reach contact with some sort of alien life form well, what do we tell them assuming they can communicate right or assuming we can communicate at their level who knows maybe they're smarter than us but what would we tell them think about that you know what I tell them I tell them that Dak Prescott is not going to be the Dallas Cowboys quarterback for too much longer <laughs> <laughs> got he, <laughs> got he. <laughs> yes sir yes sir I tried to tell y'all man I tried to let it be known the second that the Dallas Cowboys franchise tagged Dak Prescott that was the beginning of the end Andy Dalton signing with the Dallas Cowboys this week that's just the next step the next evolution in what is going to ultimately be the demise of the relationship between Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Ask me, ask me what the last quarterback that signed a franchise or that was franchise tagged that then signed with the team. Ask me the last time that happened. I'll ask myself, Reagan, when's the last time that a quarterback was franchise tagged and ended up signing with the team? That's a great question, Reagan. It's a very astute question for you to ask, because this is definitely something that applies to the situation that Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys are in right now. Boy, if you don't get... Well, you know, looking back into my research, it seems like the last time that happened was eight years ago. And it was Drew Brees, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever grace a football field, was franchise tagged and then ultimately re-signed. Before that, I don't even know. They, they didn't even... I, I can't find. I tried to find it. I couldn't even find. I didn't have the capability to go find the last time. Before that, it happened. So let's just say it's been a minute. Because when we talk about a guy of Drew Brees' caliber, of course the Saints aren't going to let him walk away. This isn't Drew Brees we're talking about here. This is Dak Prescott. This is inconsistent deep ball Dak Prescott. This is... I was pretty trash before Amari Cooper came, Dak Prescott. This is, my skill is basically contingent upon having a really, really good offensive line in front of me and one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the game, stacking the box and leaving my receivers with one-on-one. That's the quarterback we're talking about here. We're not talking about the transcendent Drew Brees. We're talking about Dak Prescott. And don't get me wrong here, because I want my dude to get his bag. I want all athletes, if they have the capability, for as hard as they've, as hard as they would worked, to get to the point where they're at. I want them to go get their bag, especially a guy like Dak Prescott. Because frankly, even though he plays for the Cowboys, I like the dude. I do. He's a very humble person. I appreciate, you know, the, the leadership qualities that he has. I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I think people have overrated him as a quarterback. But the beauty of this is that the very same people that have been overrating him as a quarterback. Now I got to pay him like it. Now you got to cough up that dough. I, I, I was on Twitter today, and they were having a debate on pro football focus. Who would you rather have, Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz? And I responded. I retweeted, and I said, Cowboys fans, tread carefully. Tread carefully, because y'all been answering this question for years, and it's always been Dak Prescott without a question. I want Dak Prescott, he's a leader He's not injury prone like Carson Wentz He's not injury prone like Carson Wentz I want Dak Prescott Now you gotta pay him All this noise All this noise about everything that's wrong with Carson Wentz And everything that's right with Dak Prescott Has come to fruition And now it's time to put your money Where your mouth is If you're Jerry Jones, if you're the Cowboys If you're Cowboys fans, now's the time But they have been doing everything in their power to not have to put their money where their mouth is, right? So, that's where we're at right now with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the thing is with Andy Dalton, right? When you signed him, they knew what they were doing. Jerry Jones, he, he's not an idiot. And don't let anyone try to fool you with this, this notion that, Oh, they just signed Andy Dalton because they want a good backup quarterback. Come on now. Why the fuck you lying? Come on now. I wasn't born yesterday. (laughs) They signed Andy Dalton as a means of building leverage against Dak Prescott. That's their contingency plan. Because in their minds, they were scared, right? Not scared necessarily, but they were wary of the fact that Dak Prescott could easily have this idea holding over their head i can hold out man i can hold out this year if you don't pay me what i want and now that the super bowl team that you've built they're not going to have a quarterback so what does jerry jones do well you can't hold out now because i have a quarterback who's you know he's on the wrong side of 30 yeah he's 32 years old but the dude's made five the playoffs five times he hasn't won any but he has made the playoffs five times we're talking about a guy who's uh i think a three-time pro bowler Right? And there was a time where Andy Dalton was viewed as a franchise quarterback, not too long ago, frankly. He's just not the best when it comes to playoffs, but that's Dallas for you anyway, so what are you really losing? Right. So Jerry Jones signs Andy Dalton saying, hey Dak, you're not going to be able to say, I'm going to hold out and screw the team over. Because I have my contingency plan right here. And guess what? If Andy Dalton comes in and he looks every bit as good as you did, or somewhere close to as good as you did, you're not going to be able to make as much money as we're offering you now. Not on the open market, and darn sure not from us. So, what they're doing is they're trying to, they're playing this leverage game. It's a back and forth between these negotiations, right? That's how these things work. This is how business is done. They're trying to gain leverage on one another throughout this thing and Andy Dalton, right? He had some, he's, had, he's got some gas left in the tank and there were multiple teams knocking on his door to try to bring him in. Ultimately, he didn't go anywhere as a starter, right? And he had the opportunity to go somewhere and compete for a starting job. He signed with Dallas for more money than you, you know, most teams are willing to pay a backup quarterback for that very reason. Jerry Jones wanted him as the contingency plan for Dak Prescott possibly holding out, gaining leverage, Right? He's just another chess piece In this game that Jerry Jones Is playing with Dak Prescott right now He's saying look man This is my Jerry Jones impression I'm, I don't know if he has a southern draw or not I'm going to try to <sighs> Okay Look man I'm Jerry Jones I have Zeke Elliott I have Amari Cooper I got Michael Gallup C.D. Lamb There's a great offensive line and a strong defense. It's a QB's dream, man. If you're a quarterback, there's no better situation in the league, arguably, than the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I can hand this to you if you're willing to take a discount on what you're asking for. Or you can go test your luck on the open market deck, and I can roll with Andy Dalton because I ain't got no problem with it. So, the next evolution in this negotiation We're going to see if Dak Prescott's willing to call Jerry Jones' bluff on Andy Dalton. And frankly, I'm not sure he should because I don't think Jerry Jones is bluffing here. I think he saw an opportunity to have a guy just in case. And he will pull the trigger on using that guy if need be. It's going to be very, 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 very interesting. Because remember, the the disconnect in these contract negotiations is, Apparently they've already offered him more, at least it's been leaked, that they've offered him more than Carson Wentz, right? And if you're Dak Prescott, man, I'm already being offered one of the best contracts in NFL history, but his uh, his agent, Todd France, he's already made it known that Dak Prescott wants to be, he wants to get Dak Prescott the highest quarterback contract in NFL history, I don't know if that's an actual thing that he's trying to do or if that's just a leverage tactic. I don't think that's going to be possible for him to pull off considering what we've seen from Dak Prescott. He's clearly a limited quarterback in certain respects, so I don't think that'll ever happen, but I think that might just be him trying to pull the number up just a little bit. But the disconnect here, I don't think it's in the actual total dollar amount. I think it's the guaranteed money, right? And this is speculation on my part. We don't know what the numbers are for sure, but in recent... uh, Contract QB contracts, we've been seeing more and more guaranteed money because that's what these guys are really after. I can pursue all of these incentive stuff that I may or may not get, but you know the, the NFL career is very it's very fluctuating. Right? You don't know what's gonna happen. There's injuries, there's the up and down years, right? So you want the guaranteed money. That's where I think the disconnect exists between Dak Prescott and Jerry Jones right now. He wants that money that he knows he's going to be able to have in his pocket when it's all said and done. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see where this is getting about. And a lot of people, they're like, Dak is being selfish right now. Ah, man. Go get your money. Go get your money. If you're an NFL player and you have a pretty solid estimation on what you're worth, go get your money. There's a lot of teams out there right now that would play a pretty steep change it's a pretty steep chunk of change for a, a guy like Dak Prescott. And what Dak is going to have to ultimately face is, do I want to walk into this guaranteed success? Well, not guaranteed. Nothing guaranteed in the NFL. But a very high likelihood of success with the Dallas Cowboys for less money than I think I'm worth? Or do I want to go trust myself and go to a different team for probably more money, but with less of a chance of success? That's what Jerry Jones is not, That that's the game that Jerry Jones is playing right now. He's offering him, he's saying, I can't offer you the money you want, but I can give you the opportunity to be on a very, very good football team in America's, you know, in America's franchise. And what Dak wants, he's saying, I, I want that and the money, Jerry's saying, I can't give you both. So it's going to be a very interesting deal. I still think he's out, man. Because a franchise tag is just the most disrespectful thing that you can do to a dude. It's essentially saying, right, for those of you who don't know what a franchise tag is, it's basically saying you're approaching your free agency, right? And I don't want you to leave because I like you, but I also don't want to pay you because I don't like you that much. That's all it is. So I'm going to keep you on my team for another year, try to negotiate a contract within that time, and then the following year, you're going to be an open a free agent on the open market, ready to go sign with whatever team, uh, fits your, fits your needs, right, so I'm an NFL free agent coming up on the last year of my deal, I'm about to be a free agent, and a team says, well, you're pretty good, I don't want you to go, but, like, I'm also not gonna pay you long term, so I'm gonna slap this franchise tag on you, so you gotta be, you gotta play with me for another year, But there's no guaranteed money for you long-term, and anything could happen in that year. I can't imagine being a player. And this is why you see players who get franchise tagged, they like to hold out. Because if you go play on that franchise tag, this is what happened with Le'Veon Bell. If you go play on that franchise tag and you get injured or you have a bad year, now all the value that you've accumulated over the course of your career prior to that point is diminished. And when you go hit the open market, you don't make as much money as you could have made had you been able to hit the open market before the franchise tag. That's why it's such a disrespectful thing to do. And frankly, the NFL needs to get rid of it as a, as a, a concept in itself because it's so demeaning to the players. And the, the, the franchise and the owner and the GM, they hold all the power in that situation to slap a franchise tag on you. If I'm an NFL player and I'm good enough and I get franchise tagged, I'm not stepping on the field. You got me messed up you think I'm playing On a franchise tag I, I could Anything could happen I want my money Negotiate a contract With me if you want me On your team But um It's definitely A very very tricky Situation that the Dallas Cowboys Have found themselves in And I'm loving it As an Eagles fan I need to make that known I'm loving this Ba da ba 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 I'm loving this Because I always love To see Dallas suffer Ultimately I hope They end up paying Dak Prescott Everything that they said he was worth up to this point, but time can only tell. But I want to move on to another quarterback situation, right? And, and this is a quarterback that's not a—or he is a free agent. He's not attached to a team right now. And that's Cameron Jarrell Newton. Man, 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 man. And I really had to sit back, y'all, and collect my thoughts— On Cam Newton, I've been such a big fan of his from the time that I I saw him play at Auburn. He was one of the quarterbacks that I always tried to emulate. I'd I begged my parents because I I played quarterback growing up. Uh, A lot of people don't know that about me, but all the way from like third grade through eighth grade, I played quarterback. And although I wore the number seven like Michael Vick, because I was, uh, I, when I first started playing football, I lived in Kennesaw, which is 45 minutes outside of Atlanta. I was such a big Michael Vick fan, so I always wore number seven. But I, whenever I created a player in Madden, I always made him Cam Newton size, 6'5, 250 pounds. You know, whenever I go played on the field, I wore a half sleeve. You know, my, most people don't wear half sleeves, but I wore a half sleeve just like Cam Newton. And I wore two uh, wristbands. Just like Cam Newton. I wanted to be just like Cam Newton. But as I've grown up, I've noticed just how much disrespect this dude gets, man. And it's it's truly just not fair. It is truly not fair to Cam Newton what's happening right now. And truth be told, the NFL, at at least a lot of people analyzing Cam Newton speaking out on him have not been fair to him at all. It's been... He's a free agent right now, as we all know. And it's been long reported that he's not willing to be a backup. He's not going to sign with a team. He he didn't sign b- before the draft because he's wanted to see how everything would play out with the draft, so he wouldn't sign with a team that would eventually draft a quarterback to just replace him, right? So... He was sitting back to see how the draft played out, and now it's being reported that he's not willing to sign anywhere to go be a backup, like we've seen Jameis Winston do, like we just saw Andy Dalton do with Dallas. And there's a lot of people chirping, saying, "Well, if he's not willing, if he's not willing to humble himself, then he he shouldn't get a job." That's the, that's the word on Twitter a lot. Cam Newton has to humble himself. If he wants to to be an NFL quarterback, he has to humble himself to go get a job. Shut up. Shut up. All those people in that camp just need to be quiet and take their awful wrong opinions. And I don't like to assign the word wrong to an opinion a whole lot because I, I feel like people are entitled to think what they think. But you're just flat wrong if you think Cam Newton has to humble himself to go be a backup quarterback to earn his spot again. Cam Newton has already... If you know anything about football, then you understand that Cam Newton has already earned his his spot, solidified himself as an NFL starting quarterback. If you don't know that, then I question everything that you know about football, because if you don't think he deserves to be a starting, let's just run through what this dude's done in his career. He was rookie of the year. He earned first team all pro. He won an MVP, for God's sakes. Took his team to the Super Bowl. dog oh, but that was 2015. That was 2015. That's five years ago. Okay, sure. I'll concede that to you for the sake of then bashing that argument. Because in 2018, when the Panthers started 6-2, Cam Newton, where did he find himself? Right back in the MVP conversation. Only now it was an evolved version of Cam Newton because he was willing to concede some of his, uh, relinquish some of his control on the offense to Christian McCaffrey. And that was a match that worked so well between him and Christian McCaffrey. That was so dynamic and there he is again sitting in MVP conversations. Of course, that Panthers team went and collapsed, primarily because of the defense. A lot of people like to attribute that to Cam Newton because a lot of people, frankly, like to attribute a lot of negative things to Cam Newton when they it's really not a fair assessment. But that team collapsed. They had one of the worst single-season uh, single collapses in recent history. Um... But that was the defense. They they finished that season with a top 10 offense, but a top 10 worst defense, right? They, they were 6th worst in red zone defense, 5th worst in pressure um, on the quarterback, 7th worst in yards per per play. This was not a good defense. Um, but the point I'm, I'm trying to make here is that there, there's Cam Newton has already earned the right to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. There's nothing further he has to prove to anyone. If you want to say he has to prove himself as a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, sure, I suppose. But how many of those are there in the NFL? He's earned the right to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He There's no reason that Cam Newton has to swallow his pride. But truth be told, that is the plight of Cam Newton. And that's the plight of the black quarterback in the NFL. Cam Newton is the epitome of what that is because his whole career, people have wanted Cam Newton to not be who he is. They want him to swallow his pride, be more humble, don't carry yourself like that. And the reason I'm doing that voice is because that's who I see a lot of this narrative coming from regarding Cam Newton that he's too arrogant. He's not humble enough. He thinks everything's about him. That's it, that envision who you see that voice coming from, that's essentially who's saying all of these things about Cam Newton. And that's the plight. Like I said, that's the plight of the black quarterback in the NFL. Because we're at the point now where presence is no longer an issue. Right? You have Sean Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. You can go b- be a black quarterback in the NFL, although there are the questions about where you get drafted and why is a guy like Lamar Jackson getting drafted all the way down at 30 when he's clearly this dynamic player? Why is a guy like Mitchell Trubisky going ahead of Deshaun Watson when Deshaun Watson proved everything that you could want to see from a quarterback in college and more? Go on one to one a national championship Mitchell Trubisky barely started for, what, 14 games? Somehow he's the third pick, and Deshaun Watson drops, I think, to 10. But I'll leave that alone for now, because I'm talking about once you step into the NFL. And Cam Newton's the poster child for this issue of not presence, but how you conduct yourself as a black quarterback. Because people, the NFL has this culture of... As a black quarterback, we're cool with you being here. We're cool with you playing and playing your your ass off and being great, but they don't want you to push that envelope. They want you to be humble. They want you to swallow your pride. Think about the black quarterbacks that are so beloved in the NFL. Russell Wilson, one of the most humble dudes out there, Lamar Jackson, insanely humble. Patrick Mahomes for as transcendently talented as he is extremely humble and that's great and don't get me wrong I'm not trying to knock any of those guys because I truly believe that those guys are just being who they are as individuals they're they're innately humble that's who they are as people and their love for it but I don't believe that people should have to adjust themselves if that's not who they are Cam Newton is not a humble individual. And that's fine. Because frankly, a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL are not humble individuals. Aaron Rodgers isn't a humble individual, Tom Brady isn't a hum- humble individual. Oh, well, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are two of the best to ever do it. Phillip Rivers isn't a humble individual. Eli Manning wasn't a humble individual. These guys, NFL quarterbacks, tend to you know think pretty highly of themselves, and deservedly so. If you've ascended to that level, I think it's warranted to think pretty highly of yourself. But you don't want to see that out of a black quarterback. The NFL don't want to see that level of arrogance out of a black quarterback. Right? so this isn't a matter of of the talent that cam newton has the fact that he's still a free agent right now because next year you're looking at philip rivers 38 year old philip rivers shell of his former self philip rivers ryan Tannehill, greatest thing he did last season was hand the ball off to derrick henry kyle allen cam newton's former backup went over up, up with Ron Rivera in uh, Washington or Dwayne Haskins either one of the two they're both worse than Cam Newton Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago Drew Locke in Denver those are all going to be starting quarterbacks next year Cam Newton might not be this isn't an issue of how good he is because if you think that, that Cam Newton is not you know, significantly better than any of the guys that I just named Again, I'm questioning your football intelligence And I'm questioning how much bias you're approaching this conversation with Because clearly, Cam Newton is far and away Better than all of these guys right now This is an issue that the with the NFL And how it views Cam Newton And the, the bottom line is The NFL believes that Cam Newton is too arrogant for his own good He's too arrogant for his own good so let me ask the question what about Cam Newton is actually arrogant think about that what what about the dude if you believe that he's an arrogant individual or if you don't believe that he's an arrogant individual try to think of some of the things that people would use to try to advance the narrative that Cam Newton is an arrogant person the clothes that he wears Right? He wears all these wacky styles. People like to say that he's trying to draw the attention to himself. Well, a lot of times when we see Cam Newton wear these sorts of things, it's at a press conference where he's the only one standing at the podium. So if you ask me, he's already the center of attention. I think he's entitled to wear what he wants. I mean, Julian Edelman has his own merchandise line. The dude's at Fashion Week, you know, almost every year. He sells his own fashion merchandise. Cam Newton doesn't even approach that level. He just wears what he likes to wear. If you ask me, that's fine. What else makes Cam Newton arrogant? Is it his hairstyle? The kind of free-flowing... I don't even know what he has going on with his hair frankly um I wouldn't put it on my head but again that's his he's entitled to do what he wants with his hair because I promise you if hairstyle is an issue I don't think it's gonna be an issue when Trevor Lawrence goes number one next year and the dude has you know a long mane that flows to his back I don't think that that's gonna be an issue for anyone with Trevor Lawrence we we've I'd like to feel like as a side we've transcended the idea that your hairstyle is any indication of who you are as a person. Evidently not with Cam Newton. Is it the way that he dances after he scores a touchdown? When he hits the dab, or he does he hits them folks. I'm sure if we ever see Cam Newton as a starting quarterback in the NFL again, it'll be the whoa. Is that it? He likes to dance in the other team's face when, when he scores a touchdown. You know, Aaron Rodgers. He does like a pretty much a pelvic thrust every time he scores a touchdown. Ain't no one having a problem with that. Hell, State Farm made a commercial out of it. What makes Cam Newton an arrogant person? Exactly. What makes Cam Newton? An arrogant person or is that just a narrative that's been pushed on the guy because of how people perceive things from him that's the issue here it's it's all in perception y'all it's all about perception cam newton and this is some this is a theme for all black men in america black men can't do the same things as their white counterparts and be perceived in the same way for them that is a reality of this country black men are viewed as more threatening they're viewed as uh, more menacing more imposing Um, and a lot of different there's a lot of different moving pieces to that but the bottom line is when a black man does something and a white man does something it could be the same thing is going to be perceived in two different ways that is the reality of this situation i can't explain it any further than that um that's a dialogue that that's really its own separate conversation in itself i I could talk about that all day and that's the reality of every black man in america wherever you go wherever you are however you step You have to be so much more conscious of the things that you're doing and how they're going to be perceived because you can't just go around acting willy-nilly that's not to say any person can act around willy-nilly but black men have to be a lot more conscious of it than a lot of other people do take my word for it i'm not just pulling this out of my rear end this is a real thing in america And it bled into football. As, as most American dynamics bleed their way into sports. The problem that people have with Cam Newton... Is that he doesn't humble himself and that, that pisses people off. And... when When I say humble himself... I mean, act like the Russell Wilsons, the Lamar Jacksons, the Kyler Murrays of the world. And that's not to say, again, that those guys are putting on an act. That's just who they are and people love them for it. People don't like Cam Newton because he doesn't act like that. That's just not who Cam Newton is. And I remember at the beginning of his career, when he was in the draft or he was entering the draft in 2011... People were calling the dude fake, two-faced, right? Because he tried the clean-shave look. He put on the big smile. He presented himself in the way that he would like to think. People in his ear were probably telling him, hey, this is how the NFL quarterback looks like. This is how they act. This is what they do. And he tried those things. And people said, man, the fake. The smile is fake. He's not a genuine person. He doesn't come across as as real he's putting on an act and truth be told they were probably right to some extent or another because cam newton was not just being cam newton he was being the version of cam newton that he thought would get him drafted the highest and he got number one overall but people called him fake for it so what does then he then turn around and do At a point in his career you see a shift where he starts being truer to who Cam Newton is as a person. And now what's the narrative? Not that he's fake or that he's two-faced, but now that you're getting the real authentic Cam Newton, arrogant, cocky, overconfident. Well, I I ask, what, what what is it that you want from Cam Newton? To be a person that he's not? Because you clearly didn't want that to be who he is. You didn't take too kindly to that either. The NFL is so old-fashioned about this sort of stuff. And it's clearly hurt Cam Newton a lot. Here's the sad reality, man. The NFL's trial of Cam Newton took place before he ever stepped foot on an NFL field. And because he is a black man, that is one of the best at, at at what he's doing, in this case being an NFL quarterback, and he's not afraid, he likes to, he enjoys, he relishes in letting other people know that, flexing on him, doing what he wants to do. Because he refuses to conduct himself in a way that's unnatural to him, the NFL never has and never will truly embrace Cameron Jarrell Newton. And that is a sad, sad reality. That in this day and age, a quarterback. Who's damn good at what he does Is slighted because He came up differently Dudes from Atlanta He acts differently than A lot of you than the stereotypical NFL quarterback And people like to throw well Lamar Jackson acts differently Than the stereotypical NFL quarterback He talks differently than the NFL quarterback But he's so humble And that's great on Lamar Jackson, the fact that he is so humble. But arrogance doesn't exclude a lot of other quarterbacks from being who they are. But when it comes to Cam Newton, people don't want it. Now, it's a problem. Let me tell you something. No one of Cam Newton's teammates has ever had a problem with him. You never hear buzz in the Carolina Panthers locker room. We don't like Cam Newton. We don't respect Cam Newton. We don't want to play with Cam Newton. Because he's the type of dude that's, when you interact with him on a daily basis, he's, he's so hard not to love and respect and appreciate. Ask any of his teammates over the course of all of his time playing football, from Florida to Blinn College to Auburn to Carolina, people don't have beef with cam newton the person no one has beef with cam newton as an individual except for the media except for the analysts who are looking at him from an outside perspective it's very interesting very very interesting because the media the people that are looking at him from the outside perspective very old white men dominated i'll be frank you think about a guy like Bill Polian suggested Lamar Jackson switch to receiver. Again, I bring back. How does Mitchell Trubisky how how, how are we convinced that the dude warrants being a top three pick when, when guys like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson fall? It's very, very interesting. So Here's the point of this. Here's what I really want to say. I I don't know what the future holds for Cam. I, I think he'll have another opportunity, but at this point, I'm not certain of it. But his legacy is one that transcends football in my mind. Because and I, I know people have beef with him not you know speaking out on certain political issues, that's not his forte I don't think that's what he wants to do and that's fine, if he doesn't want to do those things then he doesn't have to I don't believe any athlete has to speak out on things that they're not comfortable speaking out but in his own way, Cam Newton he was somewhat of an activist without him you know really even knowing it because one of my biggest issues with existing as a black man in this country we're in a place right now where black men can exist in these spaces that generations before they could have never even dreamed of. And we see that in the NFL. There's a lot more black quarterbacks in the NFL right now than there ever have been before. The issue isn't being present within the spaces you're able to get your foot in the door. But you're always asked to do so under the pretense that you're willing to conform to what the standard is for whatever industry that you're stepping into. In Cam Newton's case, it was the NFL industry and being an NFL quarterback. He had to be less arrogant they wanted him to carry himself like the stereotypical NFL. I don't even really I don't even know what that is anymore with the NFL stereotypical quarterback because this has been something that's been shattered time and again in recent years. But the problem always goes back to Cam Newton because he's too arrogant. And he carries himself like teams would not like him to carry himself. The next evolution for our society, for black men, is to not just exist in spaces that we previously could not have existed in. The next evolution is to exist within those spaces as the people that we truly are, as our authentic selves, unap- unapologetically, unapologetically, Not just being there and being what you believe that your superior would want you to be. But being there as who you are truly. And that's what Cam Newton attempted to do. And he's been bashed for it for day one. From day one, he was bashed for it. That's why when when I say, you know, a lot of people talk to me. And they tell me, man, you have such a knack for the sports journalism thing. You have have the potential to be something very, very great. But you're going to have to cut your hair. They can take my middle one on that one, man. They can take my middle one because I have been inspired by Cam Newton. And a lot of other people. But Cam Newton is one of the people that has inspired me throughout my entire life or for a lot of my life um, to be unapologetically myself and I attach a lot of my identity to my hair should an employer ask me hey man we can't let you on air with that hair you gotta cut it I'm going to be unapologetically myself because that's what Cam was and I want to follow that example. Black men across America should want to follow that example. Because. Because it's time. It's time. We, we've gotten past this this area, this, this barrier of getting in the door. Not completely, but for the most part It's time to progress past that We have to not only be there But be there as ourselves And that is Cam Newton's legacy Because that is what he did And he was met with a lot of backlash for it But ultimately The dude has an MVP He's been to a Super Bowl He has all pros He has a Heisman He has a national championship Cam Newton is one of the most successful quarterbacks In the history of football And he did it his way As a black man And that in itself, I think that's a legacy, man. There is something to be said for that. That's why I'll forever and always love and respect Cam Newton. But with that said, let's go ahead and get into the questions for this week, man. First one comes from Yahira Franco. Excuse me, Franco. Uh, do I have any thoughts on why soccer is low profile in the U.S. versus other sports? I do, um, and I'm not the biggest soccer guy, but I do have a couple of thoughts. I think, first of all, there's a financial barrier to ascend to a high level in soccer in America. It costs a lot of money to do that, and it's that's not necessarily the case in a lot of other countries, so that's why you see a lot more people... Um, flocking to these other sports football basketball uh and and then at at the professional level right the mls just does not know how to market its stars like the nfl like the nba like the mlb these high level guys the mls doesn't have that gathered together yet i do think there's a world where it gets there um I think it has to get out of this mentality of trying to attract guys from overseas to come to the MLS after their careers are already kind of winding down. They have to build their stars up from the ground up, and that starts at the youth level. They have to make it cheaper to become a soccer player in this country if they ever want to reach the point of these top-tier leagues. Um, But I do think there's a world where it happens. I do think it's a world where it happens. Next one comes from I combine these two because they're kind of built in the same mold. William Patterson asked me, opinion on the new NCAA board meeting discussing athletes and being able to profit. Um, And then Jared Weinstein asked me, did the G League just scare the NCAA into allowing players to be paid for endorsements likeness ETC? Yes, they did. (laughs) Of course they did. I mean, the NCAA has never once done anything by its own volition good for the athletes they've always been about the control and trying to keep and maintain that control over them of course because the g league did it and they saw this opportunity for the g league to steal away the top tier high school players like I said, they're not only going to be, um, taking, you know, the entire load of college players, but they are going to be taking the Zion Williamson's, the Amani Bates of the world. Those guys are going to start flocking to the G league. Of course that the, the NCAA is a reactionary. Their board is a reactionary board. They, they don't do things for thinking. They do things in reaction to what everyone else around them is doing. Um, when they feel like their control is being relinquished, um, so yeah, I, my my opinion on it, William. Uh, I'm pretty indifferent about it. Like this is something that should have happened. I'm glad it happened, but the fact that they're doing it just in reaction to what the G League is doing it, it loses its luster for me. Because we know what the NCAA is about. We saw what they did to James Wiseman. We we knew these guys have not had suddenly had a change of heart and realized that these they, that they've been sliding a lot of these athletes. They just understand that from a business standpoint, they could be losing out on these top tier high school players and they're doing, they're taking steps to try to prevent that. Um, so I, I'm pretty in, uh, it was, it was pretty expected. It was an expected move from the economically, capitalistically, financially motivated NCAA board. Finally, from Sam Arcelanian, always the one to try to poke at me and grind my gears a little bit. Sam asked me. How long will it take you to get over the Eagles draft picks? <laughs> Let's see. It's May the 4th. Um, Never. Unless Jalen Hurts just becomes this incredibly transcendent uh, gadget player or the Eagles somehow situate an offensive system where Jalen Rager becomes the guy that everyone else evidently thinks he is, but I just don't think he has it in him. Unless these guys, and I, I, like I always say, anytime I ever have negative things to say about an athlete, I hope that that person proves me wrong. Because I, I want nothing but the best for the guys who have done it the right way. Like a Jalen Hurts, like a Jalen Rager, but I just don't see it. So I'm going to be pissed about it until they prove me wrong. I was pissed about the Nelson Aguilar pick until the Super Bowl that whole season he was pretty freaking good and then I was pissed about it again every game after that so you know like like any other fan I'm gonna be mad about it until it it benefits me or benefits the Eagles franchise as a whole but with that said I think that'll do it for this episode of the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show episode three and more coming it's more coming at you y'all it's summertime it's finals week this week so once i once i do away with these finals i have nothing to do except focus on this show and we gonna turn up we gonna turn up say it with me y'all we gonna turn up so thank you as always for tuning in as always come hit me with your questions man i post them on twitter i post them on instagram i want questions from y'all and they don't have to always be sports related They don't always have to be sports related. You can ask me about literally anything that your heart desires within reason because I'm not going to answer rated R questions because this is a PG-13 family friendly show. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. I'll see you next week.